Thank you, Brian. I too want to um, thank all of our veterans uh, for their service, and um, God bless you. And uh, we want to just remember our um, servicemen and women that are uh, uh, on duty this day, and uh, just pray for them, lift them up to the Lord continually. Before we look to God's word, would you join me in a word of prayer? Lord God, we are grateful that you are a God who stands in the gap, who stands on duty, who is always on the wall or at the fence. You're always on the lookout. You're always on guard. You're always watching. And Lord, if any of us were to get lost, we know that you would come after us. And Lord, we're grateful for that. But Lord, we pray we would never have to make you come look for us, that we have such a longing for you such a desire to be in your presence that we can't imagine leaving. And Lord, I pray then through your word this morning, you will call us to yourself, to your purpose in this world for us, that you would do your work through us in a mighty, powerful way. We ask and pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. If you were not with us in the last two weeks, we are continuing our series in the Gospel of John, and for the past two weeks, we've noted that Jesus warns his disciples about up-and-coming persecution. Uh, He's very upfront with them, saying that the world is going to hate you, and they're going to come after you, and in fact, they did. Um, Our problem, I think, in the modern world is that we think that's a historical event, and it isn't. It is a very much modern-day experience for Christians around the world. More Christians have been martyred in the last century than in all the centuries put together. And this century looks to be on record for the number of Christians that will be murdered for their faith. It is a modern day problem. So in light of that, it's a little bit surprising that Jesus prays to the Father something very specific about our presence in the world. In John chapter 17, beginning with verse 14, Jesus prays this to the Father. He said, I've given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world but that you protect them from the evil one. They're not of the world even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth, your word is truth. And as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. So having warned his disciples that they will face persecution, Having warned us of that same, Jesus prays to the Father that he not take them out of the world. In fact, Jesus insists that we not be out of the world, but in it, and insists that we not be of the world as well. So Jesus insists, in spite of the fact of how the world will treat us, that we are to be in the world, but not of it. And then last week, we looked at three things that Jesus disallows us when it comes to our relationship with the world. He does not allow us to escape it, does not allow us to join it, and he does not allow us to hate it. Now, last week, I left off the why. Why does Jesus say these things to us about not joining the world, not hating the world, and not escaping the world? Why does Jesus insist that we are to be in the world but not of it. And the answer to the why comes in verse 18. In the NIV, Jesus said, as you sent me into the world, he's praying to the Father, remember? So 
As he says to the Father, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Or another translation, the message reads it, in the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I give them a mission in the world. Um, I like that word mission. In fact, the word mission um, comes from a Latin word. Uh, We're going to look at that. But the reason then that we can't escape, join, or hate the world is because we have a mission. Now, the Latin word that is used here comes from the Greek translation of the word to send. To have a mission is to send. And that means then to be a missionary is one who is sent. Exactly. A missionary is anyone who is sent. Mission means to send. Jesus says that he has been given uh, a mission. He has been sent to the world, and so now he has sent his disciples in the same way. We have that as a mission. A missionary, then, is anyone who is sent, which includes every single one of us. Every single one of us is a missionary. We have a mission in this world. And if you look at what Jesus says in the Gospels and the book of Acts, We would say then our mission is to be the salt of the world, to be the light of the world, to be witnesses for Jesus, and to make disciples. When you ask what is the missionary responsibility of every single believer in this world, we would say it's to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world. It's to bear witness to Jesus Christ to people and to make disciples of all the nations around the world. Uh, This morning, though, I want to I want to focus on two attitudes that we tend to have when it comes to our mission. Two attitudes that we tend to have when it comes to our mission. The first is I think we have a tendency to underestimate how important, how mission critical we are to Jesus Christ. When it comes to the mission that Jesus has given us, I think we have a tendency to underestimate how critical and how important we are to that mission. Look at what Jesus says again in verse 18. He says, as you sent me into the world. He's saying this to the Father. I have sent them into the world. So you could say, just as. Just as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Translation, the message is the same thing. In the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I give them a mission in the world. So what Jesus is saying here is that the mission I have been given is the mission I am giving my disciples. Just as I was sent with this mission to the world by the Father, so I am sending them into the world with this mission. You are an extension of Jesus' mission. You are mission 2.0. You are mission 2.0. Here's the thing, folks. This is not Apple, and this is not Microsoft. There is no mission 3.0. You're it. You're it. There's no plan B. There's no, well, let's try this with someone else or something else. You are it. You are absolutely mission critical to Jesus' plan. You have been distinctly sent into the world to continue what Jesus began. I love how um, one pastor put it. 
He said, life is about letting God use you for his purpose, not you're using him for your own purpose. How many times have we switched that around? How often do we look at life as I'm enlisting God for my purposes? I mean, think about the things you pray for. God, I would like you to do this and do that and do here, and I'd like you to send me here and have this happen. You know, we, we talk about our purpose, our agenda. Life is about letting God use you for his purpose. In fact, even the way we describe ourselves turns that around. We tend to describe ourselves in, in two ways. One, relationally. Um, I am a husband, I am a father, I am a grandfather. I am a friend, I am a son, I'm a brother. I mean, we describe ourselves relationally. The second way we describe ourselves is vocationally. I am a pastor. Uh, You could say I am a teacher, I am a salesperson, I'm an administrator, I am a clerk, I am a physician, I am a nurse. There are all kinds of different ways we would describe ourselves. But to me, that's sort of putting this whole thing about God's purpose for our lives the wrong way. We're making it about us. The most important thing, the most important thing about our life is that we are sent. We're missionaries. And I don't think we think of ourselves that way. Gloria Furman wrote a book called Missional Motherhood. Uh, She wrote a book to women and she wrote a book to mothers to remind them of their God-given mission in this world. She writes in her book, there is no such thing as just a mom. Have you ever heard a mom say that? So what do you do? I'm just a mom. She said, there's no such thing as just a mom. Jesus invites women to missional motherhood to follow his pattern, to trust his promises, and to nurture others by the power he provides. What she's trying to do is really help women understand their role, their God-given mission, to have a life that is distinctly serving Jesus Christ. So she describes motherhood as being missional, that you have a missional purpose in your life and what you do. And that is true of fathers. That is true of grandparents. That is true of doctors and nurses and teachers and administrators. In fact, I think it's a great way to start describing ourselves. How would you describe yourself then? I am a missional, and what would you put there? Whatever it is you are, put there. Whatever it is you are, put there. You can't just say, I am just a anymore you are first the mission of jesus christ you are mission 2.0 you're an extension of jesus christ mission to this world he's left it all to you you are never just you are a missionary of jesus christ no matter how you think of yourself Think of yourself that way. Think of yourself that way. Don't underestimate how important you are to the mission of Jesus Christ. You are a missional person. 
distinctly put in this world for the purpose of bringing the salt, the light, the witness, and making disciples of people. Never underestimate how important you are. Now, the other side, my observation is that we also, however, have a tendency to overestimate our weaknesses and inadequacies. We have a tendency to overestimate our weaknesses and our inadequacies. I can't do that, I'm just. Oh, I don't think so, I'm not really, I'm not equipped, I can't do that, you know. Oh, you don't know me, you don't, you don't know about my life. Okay, let me just put it this way. We all have stuff, right? We all have stuff. Lots of stuff. We all have it. And you know what? So did Moses and David and Peter and Paul and Timothy. They all had stuff. Every single one of them had stuff. Every single one of them. They were all afraid at one time or another and had to be told, do not be afraid. Peter. Peter was a people pleaser. If he was hanging around Jewish believers, he would be a Jewish believer. Oh, Yeshua is a Messiah. We must worship him. If he was around Gentile believers, it was, hey, dude, man, Jesus rocks being Lord. Amen. You know, however he would do it. You get my point? I know that's kind of cheesy, right? But I mean... Whatever he was, whatever group he was, that's what he became. He was a people pleaser. Paul, Paul was prideful. He wanted to wear the school he was from on his sleeve or in his robe, on his prayer shawl. He wanted everyone to know who he was and how he was. Timothy, Timothy was a mass of insecurities. I'm too young, I can't do this, I don't have enough gifts, I'm not really sure if I'm called for this, they don't like me and I don't think I want to be here. I mean, he was just this bundle of insecurities. And Jesus knew it. God knew the stuff Moses brought. God knew the stuff David brought. He knew the stuff Peter brought. He knew the stuff Paul brought. He knew the stuff Timothy brought. He knows your stuff. He knows your stuff. You know what he said to Paul? When Paul said to him, he had this thing that made him look really weak. It just wasn't his image of what the apostle Paul would look like. It made him look bad. He hated it. He hated it. Three times he went to Jesus and he said, take this thing away. It makes me look terrible. It makes me feel weak. And I don't like that feeling. And Jesus answered him three times this way. He said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. My power works best in weakness. Think about that. Think about how weak you are. Some of you may be Superman because you are so weak. But Christ is so powerful. 
He said, my, my power, it's made for people with stuff because I can really use them. I can shine through them and I'll make it so that their stuff either goes away or is overcome by my power. So he said to Paul, you're gonna keep your stuff, but I'm gonna shine through it. I'm gonna shine through it. You know the saying, wherever I go, there I am. You ever heard someone say that? You know, we'll, we'll say that as a way of saying, I, I can never get away from myself, right? Whatever your stuff is, you bring it with you, right? You know, you may want to think about being different, but boy, when you get into this kind of group, it, there it shows up again. There I am, you know, wherever I am, wherever I go, I, you know, I just bring me, you know, because we overestimate our weaknesses and our inadequacies. We're afraid where God may send us. We're afraid where God may send us. I cannot tell you how many years I prayed through seminary, college, please don't send me the mission field. Please don't send me the mission field. Please don't send me the mission field. In particular, not Africa. Not Africa. Not Africa. How care where you send me, not there, please. Little did I know that I had no choice in whether or not I was going to be a missionary. Right? And Jesus sent me to Uganda. Isn't that cool? I was only there for two weeks. But I came to realize, you know what? Yeah, wherever I go, there I am. But you know what Jesus says to that? Wherever you go, there I am. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? It's not, it doesn't matter where you are. Because wherever you go, there Jesus is. Wherever you go. Um, a couple of months ago, I had this experience. Um, I was invited to do the funeral of a previous staff person in my first church. Susie couldn't go with me. I had a full week. I had to fly out for the funeral and then fly back for everything that was going on here. Uh, the only time I could take was, was the amount of time it took me to get there, to participate, and come right back. I didn't want to go. I was all by myself. It was a ton of people I didn't know. And I so didn't want to go. So I gave the family a bunch of different dates. I thought, this is not going to work because I can't get there until here. And I thought, man, I'm out of it. That was pretty smart, huh? My schedule is so full. So they looked at their schedule and said, we'll accommodate you. Oh, shoot. <laughs> you know, wherever I go, there I am. I just brought all my stuff. I felt insecure. I felt lonely. I felt like, oh, my gosh, why did you invite me? Why do I, I wouldn't fly me 3,000 miles for me, right? And you know what? When I got there, guess who was there ahead of me? Jesus. He worked in everyone's heart, including mine. And I flew back on a late Saturday night flight, and I thought, you know, I felt really weak, but I felt Jesus' strength. Wherever you go, Jesus says, I'm there.
I'm there. Life is being used by Jesus for his purpose, not ours. Mission 2.0. That's you. We can't escape the world because we won't abandon our mission. We won't join the world because we won't weaken its remedy. And we won't hate what Jesus died for. So there are two really, really important things you're going to do today for your mission. Two really important things that you will do today for your mission. All right? The first thing you're going to do, you're already doing it. You'll gather. You'll gather to worship. You'll gather to learn. You'll gather to serve. You'll gather to disciple, to be discipled, to care, to pray. This is absolutely vital to your mission, to be together at God's people. To worship the living Lord is absolutely vital to your mission. It's the first important thing you will do today regarding your mission. The second important thing you will do today regarding your mission is you will leave. You will scatter. And you're going to scatter to the mission field that is your life. And that's the amazing thing, is that God has uniquely put you where you are, and no one can do it any better than you can do it right where you are. You're not there because you thought you would be a teacher or you thought you'd be a physician or you thought you'd be a lawyer or you thought you'd be an administrator. You're not there because you thought this is a great place to live and to raise children. You're not there because you wanted to work there or to be that or to be there. You're not there for that reason. You are there because Jesus sent you there. And where you are, he is So when you leave, you enter the mission field that is your life. Did you get that? What is your life? It's a mission field. You are first and foremost a missional, and whatever you want to fill in goes after that. You will leave today. And that will be one of the most important things you can do today. Because when you leave the building, you enter a ripe mission field that's ready for you. Literally in your backyard, in your home, at your work, in your community. A unique mission field made for you. So I am thrilled, thrilled you came today. But if I were to be honest and look at this biblically, I'm more happy that you'll leave today. And just to help remind you of what you're doing, we have a special sign for you out in the courtyard. So as you leave this morning, you have to leave out the courtyard. All right? All right, let's pray. Lord God, we, uh, we live this. We, we underestimate how important we are. We think it's got to be someone else, someone who who can write books, someone who can do it better, someone that can speak better, someone that can witness better. It's always someone else. Lord, it isn't someone else. It's us. Help us not to underestimate that. And Lord, we overestimate our stuff. And Lord, I know that our stuff at times doesn't please you. And we're working on that. And you're working on that. But Lord, I pray that we would never let our stuff get in the way of your power. You can overcome anything and everyone. 
you overcame Moses' arguments and his desire, longing not to leave where he was. You took a David that was filled with lust and all the issues that come with that, and you made a kingdom from him. And you took 12 weak men and changed the world. Help us not to overestimate our stuff. Use us mightily. And help us to realize that we're about to enter. We're about to enter one of the most important things we do and we are. A missionary in a mission field. We pray this in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, Amen.